Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. My name is Derek Youngy, Vice President of Engineering at Bright Brain Networks. I'm your host for today. Uh, joining me is software and data consultant, Tom Kowalski. Tom? Howdy. All right. And we also have a subject matter expert with us, uh, Chief Technologist of Tag Bio, the former head of AWS Research, Sanjay. Howdy, Sanjay? Hi. Good morning. All right. Today, we last but not least, our uh, technology consultant, Joe Coleman. Hey there. Thanks for the intro, Derek. Um, you know, just a reminder to all of you listeners, if you have any questions at all whatsoever during the discussion here, go ahead and throw them in the chat, and I'll be sure to make sure that they're addressed and uh, covered. So thank you so much, Derek. Awesome. Thank you very much. So in today's episode, we're going to uh, be focused again on AI and its impact on healthcare and life sciences. Um, so we've got a lot to cover today. Go ahead, grab your lunch and buckle up. Yeah, so uh, of course the uh, ongoing topic, right? AI and uh, its impact on our world. Um, it's always interesting. So today we're going to talk about life sciences. Um, we have, like I mentioned, a subject matter expert with us. I think it'd be great to um, start off with uh, just Sanjay, if you could introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your background, that would be great. Sure, thanks. More than happy to. Um, so first of all, thanks for inviting me. Um, I, my name is Sanjay Party. I'm the chief technologist at TagFi. Uh, TagFi is a factory company. Uh, before that, I was I was in Amazon, AWS. Uh, I was head of AWS research. And before that, I came from CERN, uh, which is a which is a lab, it's an international lab, up uh, in Switzerland. Uh, many different countries up there. So throughout my life, it's we work on data and how we get insights from the data, and uh, and 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 today we'll talk about how the the insights from data. Not only you can get certain understanding of data, but also how to generate new technologies or new text. So uh, we'll discuss a few other things. That's good start. Fair. Yeah, fantastic. So um. I think uh, another good way to start here is just let's talk about what, what uh, in our eyes are are promising th um, new areas of research coming out of uh, machine learning for for healthcare. Um, you know, personally, I think the the promise of um, individualized medicine and things like that are are really interesting. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. For a long time, you know, it, uh, AI is is a is a is. Is a term coined sometimes in the 1950s. Right. So it's not a new technology, but what is new is, uh, is about those those algorithms, those machine learning, supervised learning, unsupervised learning, reinforcement learning. These terms were a long time built. So what is new is the processing capability. The silicons are picking at five nanometer scale, which means you can process a lot more at least you computing tasks. What is new is that you can process a lot more information than you could 50 years ago. 
And what is also interesting is, uh, for example, the society is changing. I mean, I can ask you a question. How many of you unlock your phone just looking at it? <laughs> Almost all of us, right? I mean, how did it happen? I mean, people talk about privacy and, and this is going to kill us. I mean, you know, privacy is a de facto. I agree with all of that. <laughs> society right. has accepted a new norm that you can unlock your phone looking at uh, at your face. And this is very precise. It's not somebody looks like you can unlock. And that's changes is now getting into the field of healthcare or life sciences. It has its challenges. For example, healthcare it's, has its own chaos and health record is not centralized, it's highly decentralized. Regulations are there. In the process and medicine case also. Yeah, go ahead. That's so that's interesting that you're you're mentioning how the, the privacy has changed. So was it a lot harder in the past with things locked down and you're saying it's now easier to, to share that information and people are more willing to share their uh, personal information to, to have that, you know, better build those models and get that their uh, better data to infer on? It's a very good question. I mean it's not that you know, the, the, the technology changed. I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, there is no way you could do a clinical trial, right? Virtually. But COVID actually lowered certain barriers. And that helped us to accelerate uh, many of the healthcare related studies like trials, connecting mm -hmm. omics variables in clinical. That doesn't mean the data is really open and anyone can go and kind of harness it. It still has guardrails. There are many level of affirmations you have to go through. Uh, there are many level of security you have to go through in order to look into the data. But also technology changes also. Now we talk about federated learning, which means the data is not leaving that campus, you're sending the model. Now we are talk talking about computation computing, but only your processor knows what is the secret inside it, but the same processor being asked a different question is not going to give you a private answer. So that's confidential computing. So there are technology changes, there are regulatory changes out there, the guardrails are still there. It's not like it. But there are also more social acceptance. You might have heard about virtual clinical trials. This accelerate, you know, drug process. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. The you know the um, conveniences that we you know trade off. And I think that's you know a great way to get the public more accepting of this. I think there was you know as mentioned like um, a lot of stigma towards like oh we don't we don't want to trust. Um, but kind of those conveniences have kind of nudged the population into um, wider acceptance. Um, and, and that's just happening through those conveniences. And I think, you know, one of the things that I was really interested in uh, when, you know, researching for this um, was the idea of, like, who's specifically around, like, um, the training data. That's a lot of data, um, and or it requires a lot of data to be fairly accurate in these in life sciences and, and biotech, right? Um, you know where are we getting this data from and who's provide like who's signing off on it being okay to use uh if we're just a, like anonymizing and our, our training data like how how far can we actually anonymize something like the genome you know 
that's a really good question. And, and that begs down to uh, the clean snaps. So one of the other things, I mean, Gene, you get to know, it's different with PCR, when you give a blood and end up collecting, breaking in really what we call a bank of things, right? From that, we do travel and secondary analysis, but at the end, if you look at the data, it's a text data. It's a simple as It's a text data. Right. And, and recent advancements in large language models, text processing is hard. So for a long time, national language understanding of processing was, was really important, and excellence maps then. But these may not be able to generate certain patterns, certain certain mechanisms. So now people are trying to link into this genomes, but also connected with clinical information. So let me give you an example. Imagine you have a person who goes to the hospital every X amount of day as clinical information, right? He is being diagnosed with a Parkinson's and he has certain behavior. And at the same time, you can also look at his genome and have a given type of genome like LRTK kind of genome, which, which is kind of responsible for a given gene expression. And that can cause Parkinson's. Uh, so combining these two in a more algorithmic fashion can reduce the time for diagnosis from you know, several years to very you know, quite quickly. And there's a red cap project, which had bio and Parkinson's foundations are working on that. So my point is that there are technological advantages that are there. You put guardrails to access the data, but now when you're trying to build the model, we have to start putting guardrails on the model itself. Mm -hmm. uh, because this model contains these information so which are trained on. Uh, the second aspect is happening is that uh, you can always train on model on general data, like GPT-3 and GPT-4. This is general text from all over the world. It's not the specific text related to genome related to clinical information, right? Right. And you can and then you can take those large models like GPT-3 or BART or Bloom and fine-tune it with your personal data. So your personal data still remains with you, as mm -hmm. well as as well as the model remains with you. But you're actually using a higher dimensional object called GPT-4 or Bloom or BART. These are like models and 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 still can train and get insights. Actually, you can generate the different ways. What are the different ways a, a, a gene expression can evolve? What are the ways different exomes can evolve? There's a there's fantastic studies which is done in protein folding. What are the different ways proteins I can find the signature which can help my immune system? I mean, humans used to go through wet lab to find those proteins. Now, now we are doing it using alpha fold and physics. So it is helping quite a lot, but again, those guardrails are extremely vital. Yeah, that's um, um, something that, uh, like you, you mentioned, like, you know, chat, GTP, or, or just the, the models that they're trained on. But uh, what are your thoughts on um, you know, the more personalized getting, you know, information, right? Like asking, like, medical questions to, like, a, a chat, GTP. Um, and, yeah, just the the liability and, and things like that. Do you see that as kind of like a breakthrough where things are going? I mean, there will always be liability, but what I think is that uh, right now, ChatGPT is a fine-tuning model of a GPT-3, right? It's a transformer model 
know, sometimes of the practice. And then you'd find human, uh, put human in the loop, using the carousel, but being faced with normal, such that doesn't speak to father in your own, such that does he have any negative uh, state of attention, it's called that, right? Uh, so that's just one application out of just publishing moderate quantity source, it's true. What I think is what's happening, what will happen is, well, many healthcare scholars of medications uh, will build their own model, adding these foundational models on the right? So you take the GPT cell, you add your personal set of healthcare data from your hospital system, you keep the model, you keep the data, and you integrate with that model called like my hospital uh, GPT. So then you can have a much personalized interactions with that objects, but also you can get much deeper inside, insights based on the regenerative properties of those, 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 those subjects. So, uh, I mean, let me step back a simple example. I'll give you to clarify. So let us imagine you do a given analysis, right? So you train your on your data on your personal data, you ask the questions like, you know, uh, what is uh, how much I spent in, in my hospital system when I built the hospital or what are, what is for this particular disease, what is the cost associated with that? This is actually a separate set of analysis in the traditional world. They a separate set of data, you, you train it, and then you get a kind of inference of the sauce. But in the generative world, you know, you're actually chaining them together. Since you have a big model, Plus your personal data, you're actually chaining these questions together so it becomes more interactive, more generated, and uh, can even give you information which is not in neither of the data because it's also capable of generating mm -hmm. information. Uh, uh, like one single single example you can try, and it's still that that is there. If you go to chat typically, which is again, as I said, a more uh, application-centric version of GPT-3 or GPT-4, ask a question. That you know, you have a book, you have a computer, you have a needle, and you have an X. How do I make a pyramid out of that such that it's stable? So, so of course, this embedding is going to tell you each property object, like a book or a computer or a needle or an egg. But it's going to build it. It'll going to make a generative model which is stable enough, learning from this embedding itself. So those generative capabilities are simply in this foundational model. And the goal is how do you harness it for healthcare? All right. Um that's a, a lot of information, a lot of a lot of thought provoking ideas here, right? Um and uh I think that um you know we're about to see a, a massive wave in in our healthcare industry with with the use of these tools. Just wow. as far as like the, the the possibilities are are really starting to come to people's minds and and um, the power is here, right? But before, as Sanjay mentioned, that uh, we just didn't have the compute power, right? And now we do, and then things are becoming more easy due to the the research and you know machine learning. Um, so, um, I know we are limited on time, Sanjay. You're uh, presenting at uh, BioIT World today, is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I plan to talk about some of these and how in Tag Bio we are providing a kind of a platform where you can take a big foundational model like Bloom or like NMLA from Facebook or from, uh, from GPT-3 or GPT-4 from OpenAI 
and then combine it together with your crystal, um, for example, clinical trial data, drug system data, healthcare data, uh, so that you build your own particular model. I'll, I'll show some demos also how to how you can ask more personal questions. Uh, of course, I can use more private data, but I'll use some example data to show you how you can ask more private and exact question about clinical trial or cross clinical trials. So, so we are building a platform which will do your private model, allow you to keep your own data, which allow you to keep your own model, but it will take the best of what one, like take the large foundational model along with your private data uh, to, uh, to derive insight, to ask follow-up questions, to even give new generative answers which we never thought of. Uh, so for example, what are the, what are the proteins, right? which is responsible for my immune system. How can I generate a new one taking combination of So tens of those things people should be able to diagnose. So, so time power is kind of moving into along those directions. Uh, so given that we work with like a product and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it sounds like things are, you know, going great, right? The more compute, more access to the data. What are some of the challenges that you're having right now? Yeah, there are a lot of challenges. I'm at least. Uh, the <laughs> first challenge is that you can think about what, yeah, all of these models, given this generated nature, we have to use it responsibly, right? So that's one challenge, how to tell the mass to do that. Second is what people call fit, fairness, transparency, accountability, and ethics. I think that needs to be built into it. Third challenge is that, you know, all the life sciences are, 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 are this particular industry is built on what we call public or reference data. The government funded large organizations like National Journal of Health, where we got thousand genomes data or data like all of us. So this funded public funded organizations provided all data, but the models are currently all commercial, right? So there is no open public funded, let's say, models where people can play yeah. around with. So for a long time, we sent down on the footprint of these government funded information data sets, as well as uh, long, for a long time processing power. Now, very few foundational models can be built by these organizations with that capacities like the hyperscalers. So those are the three challenges where you, you, you have to take a foundational model from somewhere, but then do you want to send your private data to those foundational models like GPT-3? Those are challenges. And then the last, you talked about social acceptance. Uh, and, and then also, how to make platform easier for people to kind of more people to do it, all these kind of fine tuning. Uh, we should sometimes talk about there are many ways of fine tuning how to really adaptive to a prompt engine and everything. We should talk about that at some point. But those are, I think, some of the major challenges. I, I really think government should uh, find a way to build foundational models for gentle maps and, and like open source way. Uh, which is helpful. I mean, you know, open source uh, foundations as, as well as reference data sets are backbone for the country. Uh, Absolutely. So, so we need more more engagement with that. Currently, there is not there is not a single foundational model other than one for Bloom by a French supercomputing uh, center plus the three of the research organizations did in France. That is not. So it's all commercial, and you cannot lease it without sending a private data. Well, you know how, you know, uh, you know how that works. It's got to be funded, but people want their 
investments back, right? But um, yeah, we're we're going to be looking to the colleges and um, stuff like that to really start, you know, driving the the open source community. I would hope, right? Absolutely, and also open source community needs close computational power, which I understand is that right. It's not only the data you need, but you need, you know, thousands of GPUs, thousands of high processing uh, infrastructure to 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 train this model. So it's both. Uh, I, I think uh, the public, as I as I tell many times, the public infrastructure, uh, public transportation infrastructure, need to be strengthened based on which big corporations are built. Right, and that's still lacking. It. Many of them have All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to be respectful of your time. Make sure you get on stage there, uh, Sanjay. I really um, appreciate you having uh, coming out and speaking with us. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do this again soon. Definitely. Any uh, closing thoughts? No, I, I, you know, I'm really enjoyed uh, this uh, this conversation. I'm looking forward to talking to you all. Thank you so much, Frank. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. And then, uh, you know, coming up next week, uh, we'll, with uh, Launch with Tech Leaders, we will be doing a discussion on uh, serverless data stores, Dynamo, Aurora, and more. Uh, so, uh, as always, come on back and check that out. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.